2: to the true blue la podcast i'm jacob birch eric Steven, where have you been for so long
1: hello uh, i, I, you know, let's I see. feel
2: like i've talked to you two weeks ago
1: that's right but uh,
2: i have no proof of it
1: a couple years or years ago a couple weeks ago uh we were both in, in audio voids in the universe somewhere uh, you know
2: the simpsons the homer at the bat when ozzy smith is in the <laughs> yeah Oscars? that's where we were
1: You know, it was weird. We finally got a huge get for the podcast. We had Ozzy Smith on, (laughs) and he took us into the uh, into the abyss. So, no, uh, we audio issues a couple weeks ago, uh, and then I was on vacation. I had a family reunion uh, last week. I was in Colorado for a better part of a week, and uh, it's it's a shame because
2: our listeners have missed the best damn episode we've ever recorded.
1: I would I would venture to say that was like probably. I, don't, I wasn't timing it, but I would say probably, say, 55 minutes of audio gold.
2: Yeah, it was just about that. So, sorry, everyone. Yeah. Uh, should be back to normal. Uh, we were trying out a new recording setup that would probably did improve the auto, audio quality a little bit. Uh, the issue was that the resulting audio was um, pretty badly out of sync to the point where it wasn't really able to be edited. Um, so, it just kind of said, like, Eric was talking over me, which is really rude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's actually how fair. it actually was real real time. I actually recorded it just fine, but I'm hoping this this puts you back in your place. Uh, so now, to, you know, go ahead, go ahead.
1: I, I'm trying to talk over you again to oh, okay. The, uh, <laughs> I mean, no, i was just gonna say I say to be fair, I was talking over you quite a bit. Yeah,
2: yep. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so a, a bit a bit has happened. The Dodgers kind of like not treading waters is the wrong term because uh, they they were briefly by percent percentage points in first place since we last talked. Uh, currently, at game back uh, when we record this on Monday night, uh, but kind of just moving the same direction. Same, the good stuff's been good, the mediocre stuff's been mediocre, and kind of kind of going along with that.
1: Yeah, I think so. Like uh, they they were at one point in a wild card position a couple weeks back. Uh, they uh, and then, like I said, they're they're like doing relatively okay. Um, they they're a game back now. They, they reached first place for the first time. Uh, they looked there against the, um, uh, the Pirates last week. They, they bludgeoned them. It was like 31 to eight in a three game sweep at home, including they had a, a 17 to one game that included a, a three inning save, which was great. I was in Colorado and, and, like, only, like, barely catching some of those games. But, like, I turned that one game on, and it was, like, I think I saw, like, eight runs because in the, in the two innings I watched or something like that. It was pretty crazy. Um, but, yeah. And then they, they lost two or three to the Angels. They uh, one The Friday game was just an absolute giveaway. They were up a run in the ninth, one strike away. Um, Kelly Jansen walked Shohei Otani from an 0-2 o- o- count. And then, you know, because he's Kenley Jensen, he doesn't hold runners. And Botani stole second. And Yasmani Grundahl double clutched and then threw into center. Terrible inning for him. And then um, <laughs> Ian Kinsler had an excuse me pop fly single to right. Um, and then, um, I'm sorry, at first they tied it. To, and then they had a runner on first. But Ian Kinsler had a pop fly single to right that Puig didn't catch. And then he threw wildly home. And then Yasmani yeah, Grandal like, oh, laid the ball at home and Kenley Jansen didn't back up. So it was like a, a dual Jansen Grandal uh, mess up that entire inning. Uh, and then they, they somehow lost. It was very bizarre. But yeah, so they, uh, their whole weekend was close uh, games, but they lost two or three. So kind of gave a little bit back. Um, but yeah, so they're, but they're like, they're, like I said, they're hanging around. Uh, they got a week more of games for the All-Star break. They're a game back now. I expect it's going to be those two teams sort of fighting it out the rest of the way
2: moving to sort of more recent news the all-star reveal special uh was yesterday a few dodgers a couple dodgers uh, made it on a couple dodgers made it on officially and one's kind of in the in the wings so to speak uh who made it and who should have made it eric
1: yeah so like they take an hour to reveal the teams which they should not it's just so long like (laughs) and like it just it's in like piecemeal format it's weird but anyway so Matt Kemp, uh, who, if you remember, right, I said would be <laughs> off the team by January fifteenth, is on a different team, but it's the <laughs> NL All Star team, and uh, he's starting in the in the outfield. He's going to start in left field. Dave Roberts already said he's the manager. He gets to decide this. So uh, he's he got the second most votes from the fans among NL outfielders, and Nick Markakis got the most. I'm like, who honestly? Who would have predicted that at the beginning of the year? <laughs> Uh, but then in the, in the player vote, uh,
2: both of them, like we're, we're in like the late aughts super team. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and, and, Early and teams. Plus, I don't know. You, I, I think you listened to effectively wild, um, mm-hmm. uh, and forever, uh, Nick Marcakis was mentioned on there as being the, uh, arguably the, uh, most accomplished player, or I forget how they worded it, but maybe the best player or the longest tenured player, um, to never receive an all-star nod or MVP vote. And uh, he was off to such a hot start this year. Not only is he on his first all-star team, he's starting. Um, But, yeah, so Matt Camp, um, he received the most votes from the players in the outfield. So that was very notable. He's having a great year. Uh, No no doubt, no ways about it. Uh, He went into a little bit of a slump there um, uh, to, like, maybe the end of the week before. But then he started the week... um, uh, he had an 8-for-8 eight eight stretch, uh, including in that 17-to-1 game, he was 5-for-5. Five five. So it's just been a, a pretty crazy uh, year for him. Uh, the other one, uh, the other Dodger that made it was Kenley Jansen. He was, you know, obviously had the really bad start this season. He was really sort of off his game in April. Um, and he's been really good since outside of the, the ninth inning on Friday. Uh, he's been – like Kenley of old pretty much for the last like two and a half months or two months. Um, and he's been pretty great. And plus he, you know, he's has you know, like a, a great as good of a track record of any closer in the game. Uh, he was not one of the player selection. The players select three relievers and then like the commissioner's office as the rest. J- uh, Jansen was a commissioner's pick. So uh, though, so those are the only two Dodgers in, um, you know, you, there's a definite argument for at least two more: Max Muncy and Ross Stripling. I would, I would argue, uh, Ross Stripling has the stronger argument, although it's close. I mean, um, Stripling, um, he, you know, he started in the bullpen for like a month, and then he became a starter, and he's been just fantastic. Uh, I, I wrote some notes on him and Max Muncy, who didn't who both didn't make it. Um, Stripling second in the NL and ERA. He's actually technically, as we're recording this, like two thirds of an inning shy of qualifying. But mm-hmm. if you lower the limit like seventy innings, he's right there. Um but um second in the ERA, fourth and fifth, uh first in strike out to walk ratio. He's had so many starts where he's walked zero. Um the the only thing it's I mean, like well, it's okay, he got snub, sure. But um you know, every year there's there's like replacements, so it's not it seems like um, there's a, a, an avenue for him to get on. I was looking at the, the, the pitchers. Um, I think like Patrick Corbin is starting Tuesday for the Diamondbacks. He's on the All-Star team. Uh, he was a player boat, I believe. Um, and then the Diamondbacks play six straight starting Tuesday. So he would be in line to start Sunday if they opt to do that. And if he does, he'd be out of the game. Like he still get the All-Star nod, but he just might not pitch. So if that's the case, that's an avenue that Stripling can get on. You know, uh, someone could get hurt. Uh, just last year in total, uh, I didn't break this down by pitcher and hitter. I should have. Last year there were seven replacements. The year before there were nine total. So, like, it's bound to happen. Like, he's he probably could still get on. So I'm not as worried about Stripling. Uh, Mun- Max Muncy, on the other hand, he's in the final vote. Um you know, you, you would think the Dodgers have a good chance because they're in LA, and like last year, the uh, fans sort of mobilized around uh, Justin Turner, um, and he 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 did really well. Um, so, uh, you know, he the the problem is like um, there's a <laughs> there's other people also you know worthy in there like Jesus Aguilar of the Brewers actually has more home runs and a higher slugging percentage than Muncie, and that's sort of his calling card. But yeah, so I looked at Muncie – um, I think this was minimum 200 plate appearances in the majors. He's fourth uh, in wins uh, or WRC plus, weighted runs created, uh, adjusted weighted runs created, 173. The only three ahead of him are in the American League: Mike Trout, Mookie Betts, and J.D. Martinez. <laughs> so he's been like uh, just outstanding. He's slugging over 600. He's fifth in the majors in slugging. Like I said, Aguilar, who's one of the final vote guys, is ahead of him, but. Um, he has a good shot. He said today on the Dodgers radio station that he's going to be in the home run derby. So, like, even if he doesn't make the All-Star team, he's still going to make the trip. So that's cool. But it would be nice to see him also get the, the All-Star nod too. Uh, so either way, a solid, very solid first half for for Muncie. So that's pretty great. Um, so, yeah, like two in, possibly two joining them. Muncie going to the home run derby. Nothing has been officially announced yet on that but because I think that the he said it on, in a radio interview on Petros and Money out here on the Dodgers radio station, 570. And then when, when beat reporters asked him there in San Diego, he was like, oh, yeah, I uh, don't really have a comment. <laughs> so, like, he, he, you know, I think it was like, you can't really say anything yet, but it seems like it's going to happen.
2: So, um, as we sort of alluded to, the All-Star game is coming up pretty, coming up here pretty quick, uh, which is sort of the, if not actual metaphorical half- midway point between the season uh what's coming up on the Dodgers schedule for the rest of the year as we kind of look towards the playoffs even even more hard than we have been the last few weeks
1: right and so yeah they they're in San Diego this week and then they end up before the break in uh back at Dodger Stadium against the Angels so it's two straight weekends against the Angels but then um, it, it, yeah right it gets uh it gets super weird um or a little more difficult uh, after the break um they start off on the road. Uh, they have a 10-game road trip, and it's against the Brewers, the Phillies, and the Braves. Hmm. Those three teams just happen to have the best three <laughs> records in the, in the National League right now. You know what? Actually, I'm looking at that, and the uh, as before, since I thought of this the other day, the Cubs have actually been kind of hard-charging, and the Cubs have sort of snuck into the um, second-best record. So of three of the best four records in the National League are those teams. And then the Dodgers, right after that, seven-game homestand against the Brewers again, and then oh, the Astros come to town—only <laughs> the arguably the best team in baseball uh, and the defending World champions. So, 17 games against really good, you know, playoff-contending uh, teams. Uh, it's going to be sort of a, a tough road. I'm, I'm sure this happens though, so it's not it's not totally unexpected. But yeah, um, so they'll have a tough test coming out of the break.
2: Um, looking at the last half of the year, obviously we started the year playing the Diamondbacks, I think, 40 times. But I yes. think that still leaves a few games left to play with them. When when does that kind of get clustered?
1: Oh, so I think, if I remember right, the Dodgers have, I think it's six games left against both the, the Diamondbacks and the Giants. I'm, I'm actually looking this up as we speak. Put um, you on the spot. I, so I six ask the games hard questions. The Six against the Giants, seven against the Diamondbacks. So they don't play, because uh, the Giants were also sort of looped in there. They don't play the Diamondbacks again until the end of August. August 30th to September 2nd. That's a four-game series at home. And then they play them in Arizona the last week of the season.
2: Okay, that'll be exciting. Hopefully, yeah, it won't, so they, hopefully it won't be exciting for right. for good reasons. Yeah. But,
1: so they have like, uh, they it's, it's bunched toward the end, so it's kind of weird
2: you mentioned the angel series and it was not only did they kind of lose two out of uh, two games out of three, but, uh, Yossi El Puig had, had an interesting series, uh, and the sort of the proverbial way of it, not, not, it, he looked great and then he was out.
1: Yeah. So he had, uh, you know, the weird, um, the weird ninth inning, like, well, it, it, it was, it's not like he, he might've been able to get to that ball. Sure. Uh, in right, but it was just, it was a bad throw for sure. Um, but it was, uh, uh, he hit a three run home run or he had a, uh, sorry, a solo home run Saturday, giving them insurance run right at the end. And then he had a three run home run on Sunday when that was their only offense. And then later in the game, he like hurt himself on a swing. It looked like, um, uh, it was his right oblique. And I guess he, he had an MRI today and it was a grade one strain. Uh, that's never good. Uh, so Dave Roberts said he's going to miss at least a few weeks and. Uh, I think that's I think Annie McCullough tweeted this he said like year, uh, you know 10 years ago uh, I've noticed uh, oblique strains tend to take a month and I've written it, this as fact ever since so like <laughs> it's, it's gonna be a while uh I think so it did open up a spot a little bit um for Andrew Tolles, who actually hasn't played in the majors this year the, he was hurt he had a hamstring thing earlier in the year that he missed over a month. Uh, he, where he could have gotten some opportunities uh, given how they sort of uh, managed the roster early and had some injuries. But uh, uh, he, he just didn't. And then by the time he was healthy, everyone was really playing well in the outfield, so he didn't really have a position. But he's, he's back. He's starting in center field tonight. Uh, he figures to, he's probably going to play a little bit um, just given the, the structure of the team. Uh, Matt Kemp's going to play mostly in right now instead of left. But it's the same thing. It'll it'll open up positions, um, and they'll they'll continue to move people around. But uh, I expect tolls to sort of uh, at least get get a little bit of run here.
2: You had a and and in our show notes, you have one note just on another injury update in, in Walker Bueller.
1: Oh yeah, so he he's done. He did a, a rehab game with um, the Quakes. Oh, oh yeah, so I think last time we recorded. He, we and this is his, hard to
2: tell for you and me.
1: <laughs> yeah, we, we, he had, a, like, a weird thing where um, he was going to go on a rehab assignment for, like, three innings. And then the Dodgers, they they do this where they run out of relievers every once in a while, just given how they use their pen. And they have a, some clusters sometimes. But uh, So they opted not to have him go on a rehab assignment, and he, he piggybacked on a Kershaw start. And this was like Kershaw's second start from also not coming, having a rehab assignment. It's one thing to have like uh, you know, a veteran like Kershaw not do a rehab because he said you have a better idea where he's at. Um, but they had Bueller uh, pitching the majors with no rehab assignment. Basically, the, the idea was him he was going to go three innings of relief. He was not effective at all. Um, and then he ended up, they optioned him the next day. But then within a day or two, they, they actually changed it to a DL trip. So he's back on the DL. Um, same thing with the um, ribs. Um, but he, pitched, uh, he did pitch a rehab game eventually in Rancho. Uh, and then he did a simulated game over the weekend. He's going to start one of those games against the Angels. I, it's probably going to be Friday, would be my guess. They haven't really announced anything yet. But, um, yeah, so he, he's going to be back. Uh, everyone always talks about, like, limiting his innings. How are they going to do it? This was one way, you know, art, not artificially, of course but uh I think that's the that's sort of just the way it shakes out but yeah he's going to start one of those games so he'll be back and then you know uh ideally you know part of the rotation going forward in the second half
2: well are you ready to answer a, a handful of questions we have from our listeners sure let's start an email land uh, from Mike Austin Barnes brings nothing on offense. Do you see the Dodgers addressing the backup catcher role either via trade or call up via a uh, call up of Kyle Farmer?
1: You know, uh, we talked about this before on a couple, uh, you know, issues or a couple times. I, I don't, I still don't think they want Kyle Farmer necessarily to catch or at least to do so often. Like he would if they had, like if they had to, like if someone was hurt. But um, I just don't see it. They like what Austin Barnes does defensively for the most part. So I don't see Cal farmer being an issue um, I guess they could trade for somebody I don't really know who's on the market but I doubt it uh, but yeah just looking up some numbers so going into Monday Barnes is hitting 211 331 263 that's terrible there's no you know no two ways around it um, he's uh, so there's 368 batters in the majors with hundred plate appearances this year he's 350 second in slugging. So, um, and then I mentioned before Muncie's fifth. So, uh, like two ends of the spectrum there on the uh, power, um, not power's the power CNLBL, but even like, I looked like major league catchers as a whole are hitting 231, 304, 377. So it's not good. It's not a good hitting position. And if you take off like the, the primary catchers, I would imagine the, the numbers are just putrid. So if there's one place you could be terrible at, it's backup catcher. Like, um, so I don't think they're necessarily worried about that. I mean, sure they want Barnes to produce, but I don't. I can't. I don't. I can't say they're like actively seeking, um, you know, someone to replace him. I, I mean, I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me if they do. Uh, I mean, I guess it kind of would. But like, you know, it, Barnes hasn't been good, but I think they're still pretty confident that he's going to do something like in the second half, contribute somehow. So.
2: And even even if it's just like getting that slugging to like. The OPS to you know the sort of like, seven hundred range, like because he was here. he was on basing at like three fifty just just a few weeks ago. If he can yeah. do that and lift the ball out of the you know past singles just a little bit, you know it's it's not a bad spot to be in again for the backup catcher position.
1: Yeah, like if he's hitting two forty, and his on base is like three fifty three sixty, uh, you know with with a, a modicum of power, you'll take that. You know, like, yeah. Uh, if it can't be like nothing, like you know, like they've sort of been getting.
2: Well, David Higgins wants to know, um, kind of going down in the minors, Connor Joe is an out-of-nowhere hot bat in the minors, almost 600 slugging. All I know is that he's 25 and plays third base and a little bit of outfield. What else do uh, What else do we know about them? Any chance he gets a September call-up, at least?
1: So this is one of those things. This is sort of a, um, a Muncie-inspired question because, like, you know, for the most part, like— you're just kind of throwing stuff against the wall, and in a lot of these cases, like you, like I wouldn't have. I don't. I don't. Can't say I expect anything out of Connor Joe, but the fact that like Muncie's producing, it like, should be noted
2: the, his name is Joe Connor. You know, no,
1: it's Connor Joe. It is. Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's actually.
2: <laughs> no, Google has it wrong. This is fun. like if you, yeah, doing a uh, a Google there wasn't search made, screwed me there up.
1: Was, yeah, but no, this guy's Connor Joe. They traded for him last September. Uh, just sort of a you know minorly he's not on the 40 man or anything uh, but then again neither <laughs> so, neither is max so is.
2: I figured it out uh, there mm-hmm. uh, there There's was a league. Joe yeah. Connor which is yep. what uh Google is inserting with the picture of Connor <laughs> Joe so okay. awesome we're all we're all figured out
1: <laughs> so the so he did go through uh I'm pretty sure he did like a, a swing change a little bit uh, in the offseason or maybe at the end of the last season. Or I guess when they acquired him, the minor league season was over. But yeah, so he's hitting 308, 423, 573. Very good numbers. Uh, a lot of that was double A. He's back in, he's, or he's in triple A now uh, and hitting, I think, even better than that with Oklahoma City. Uh, he's spent most of his time at third and first. He's played two games at second. He did play in the outfield the last few years a little bit too. Not he hasn't played in the outfield this year. So he seems like more of a corner man. I can't I don't really know who um uh like how d- good defensively he is, but it, it doesn't seem like he's someone who you're going to be like, "Okay, he's great defensively." But like like we saw with Max Muncie, if you hit, they'll find a spot for you. Um he turns 26 in August. So He's he's sort of in that same like Max Muncie sort of profile. I don't he doesn't have like I don't the history of plate discipline. I don't think that that Muncie did um, in the minors. So um, you know I'm I, I'm not willing to rule anything out. I don't think he's going to get called up in September just because there's always a those spots are hard to come by. Um, but let's just, like if he keeps hitting like he is, we don't know who they're going to go after. The deadline. Uh, I'm not ruling anything out, but. It just seems like um seems like a long shot. But like I said, with, with we Chris Taylor, uh, you know, a couple years ago, Max Muncy this year, I am not willing to rule anything out. So as long as he keeps hitting, sure, he has a chance. Why not?
2: So Joe Connor died in nineteen fifty seven. Is he mm-hmm. would he be a good call
1: up? He maybe maybe just, Connor Joe took zombified? His soul. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: Um I have his weight too, that's good. I wonder if that's <laughs> in the grave or or afterwards, uh, Rodrigo wants to know. Uh, I got a two-point question here. You want me to combine these questions, so I will just for you. If there's anyone else? I wouldn't. You ready? You ready for them yeah. both? I'm just gonna. I, I'm know, not even gonna. I'm not even gonna add the question mark.
1: No, let's do let's do the one at a time because I sort of have notes for both. Oh, okay. Yeah.
2: Well, very good. They're 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 related. Okay. But sort of, yeah. <laughs> um, would it be a good move to trade for both Machado and Britain if it meant trading away a lot of good minor league prospects?
1: Um, look, I'm always on board for adding really good players. Machado qualifies. Britton, if he's healthy, qualifies. They're both rentals in that they're going to be free agents at the end of the year. Um, so I I just – a blanket yes. <laughs> but then, you know, the, de- the deeper you sort of dig into this, um, you know, Britton is coming off um, an injury. He's only pitched 11 games this year, and he's been kind of like ordinary. I haven't really looked at his um, – like his pitch breakdown, like how hard he's throwing. He's a sinker guy, um, but like a dominant sinker guy. If but so you know, there's an there's a possibility. Certainly, he could be better down the stretch, but haven't really seen it yet. Um, but then, where it really breaks down for me, where I don't think you see them going for both, is the money. Um, we have talk, we talked all year about how the Dodgers are sort of up against it on the luxury tax. Um, they started the year about one eighty two, one eighty three million. That's before some in-season bonuses that like Maeda's gonna earn. Um, they the numbers 197. Uh, so they have some room to add some uh, you know salary, but not necessarily a ton. And like Machado's making 16 million and Britain's making 12. So let's say they they I just hypothetically if if they traded for them at the All-Star break and they joined the team like the Friday after the also week that's july 19th there's 74 days left in the season so just their prorated salaries after that is 6.3 for machado and 4.75 million for britain that's i think too much i uh that's like uh they they would have to do some heavy maneuvering to fit those guys in uh you know it's possible but it's not it doesn't seem feasible to me they could probably do machado Um, they could definitely add that um they might still do some maneuvering but um, they're probably is there any possibility if the prospect
2: it? package package is good enough that the Orioles just take back either either through a, a player uh, making comparable on a salary or just eating some of the salary if they like the prospects that much? Is there an idea of how uh, how much they're valuing shedding the the ten million or whatever?
1: The Orioles haven't. I, I realize we're talking a, about the they, Orioles here. But. Yeah, <laughs> like uh, they don't they don't like you know, they, they purposely like avoid the international market. Like, so I I don't know what their philosophy is regarding like paying for prospects. It doesn't seem like they do. Um, that said, they definitely want prospects like for, for Machado and and maybe Britain too. So, you know, Hey, if the, the hall is right, uh, maybe, maybe it's, it is worth, um, you know, paring down some of that money. I, I can't really say, uh, I will say this though. Uh, you know, um, it was so. It was reported. Uh, we'll. I'll, I'll get to this in a second. But Jeff Passan, just sort of in between, right before we we started, actually, um, he had he said his sources say uh, Dodgers have stepped up their pursuit of a position player, and are looking beyond Manny Machado. So um, uh, he he mentioned Scooter Jeanette, uh, Brian Dozier, and Asdrubal Cabrera. So, and this sort of gets into what we've talked about before. They can. I think definitely they're going to add a bat at this point and they're also going to add pitching, but uh, they're going to add a bat. But like, like we've mentioned many times, it doesn't really matter what position that bat is like they could fit it in somewhere. Like Machado, I think would fit greatly. um, If he's at short, um, you know, you can move Chris Taylor to second. Uh, I think you're, you're stronger defensively than what you have right now. Max Muncy has er sort of taken over the, the lion's share play time at second. So they're a little bit weaker defensively there, but obviously they're hitting. Um, but then if you do that, yeah. So you have uh, Machado at short, Taylor at second, and then Muncie probably at first, Bellinger in center. And like you said, all these guys move around. You also have Machado can play third. Um, if Turner needs a, you know, a day here and there, uh, Machado can play. I mean, uh, you know, Chris Taylor can play other positions. So the versatility like uh, gives them uh, – you know, uh, the ability to sort of acquire a bunch of different players.
2: We mentioned talked a little bit about uh, it depends on what package goes back. Kevin wanted to know: uh, is Verdugo is he trade bait or is he actually going to be starting the Do- for the Dodgers next year?
1: So I, you know, I, my first, my initial when I saw this, my initial uh, reaction was, could it be neither? Like, but like I don't think that's necessarily the case because the the one thing I will say is. Um, the, the Dodgers, I you know, just Puig is playing about every day. And so they have to replace that. Um, I would imagine Kike's going to get a little bit of run here too. But the fact that they called up Tolls and not Verdugo, um, you know, tells me like that says where sort of Verdugo is in the pecking order. So, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if he's traded. Um, that said – He's he has a pretty unique skill set, and I think one that sort of comp, can complement the team. He's a very um, like uh, he's not an all-or-nothing hitter. He's a very good bat-to-ball guy. He's a he's a different productive hitter, like than say the home-run strikeout walk combo guy. He's like a you know probably going to be a, a relatively good average guy. He's hitting 350 in AAA. Um, this year, he's only he's only 22 still, so he I think he has a bright future ahead of him. 350 393 513. So, look, I I think he's going to be starting somewhere next year. I can't say it's going to be with the Dodgers because depending on how, how deep they go into the um, the well here uh, for these trades, you know, you never know. I will say the Baltimore Sun over the weekend reported they talked about the Machado stuff. Uh, the Dodgers were definitely in the mix, uh, and he said the uh, Eduardo Encina, I think, reported this: the Dodgers' latest offer did not include Verdugo or Alvarez. The, there was a report earlier that Verdugo was in the um, uh, in the mix, uh, but you know the Orioles declined that. So, um, but now it seems like he wasn't in the mix. So I, I don't really know, <laughs> but it doesn't seem. But then earlier today. Uh, uh, John Morosi tweeted that uh, it was more Kyber Ruiz and Dustin May um, in in sort of that Machado mix, but we don't even know if the Dodgers are still in that. But that's sort of where they're at.
2: Assuming they figured out a way to get Britton and Machado on the other end of it, are there any prospects? And I'm going to include Walker Buehler on as as still a prospect, even though he's he's almost graduated from that status. That you would are on your absolutely no way list.
1: Um. Yeah. So Bueller, I, I consider part of the rotation. So he's out. Like, yeah. He's not. Yeah. And like I said, um, uh, I w- I don't think anybody's untouchable. Okay. Yeah. So I I would I would absolutely trade Verdugo in the right deal. Uh, it's hard to say that getting Machado for two months is that deal, because Verdugo's going to be really good. I'd have to see the rest of the deal, obviously, but um, he he, I would. I would move him. He's definitely in a deal. Like if the Mets decide to uh, realize where they're at and, and try to get rid of Degrom or Syndergaard, you know, he's definitely headlining that deal um, for me. Uh, but yeah, so uh, I would definitely be willing to trade Verdugo for the right price for sure.
2: Okay. Anyone else on the uh, and anyone else that comes close? Maybe I should say.
1: I uh, I don't think so. Okay. I don't, I, uh, yeah, I don't think there's. Uh, I mean. Off the top of my head, probably no.
2: All right. Moving on to the last segment of the show. Oh, wait. Oh. I, you
1: know what? Sorry. JT Ginn can't trade him because he didn't sign. <laughs> he was the Dodgers' first-round pick. So, uh, yeah. I, I, I guess we can
2: talk about that real quick. Yeah, uh, you are kind of lost that in the uh, – that was not in the last episode. That was more of the, the holiday week. Yeah. How embarrassing is that on in the – Either for the scouting department or the front front office in general.
1: Well, yeah, I think it's just so rare for like these for guys not to sign. I look so since the this new sort of format of the slotting system where your bonus pool depends on the first ten rounds where you're slotted the draft. It started in 2012, so we have like um, what seven years of drafts now. Uh, Before this year, there were only it was like 2.7 percent. Of the first rounders didn't sign and that included like all the supplemental picks after the first round so it was like it was like seven out of 259 or something inside i think this year three didn't sign jt ginn and i think i forgot the i think the braves guy i forgot his name but he he was injury related so it was a little different and there was one other i don't think who signed but it's bad i mean like uh you know you you lose that slot amount so like it sort of affects other decisions like they offered him over slot uh based reports it was like a like 2.2 million roughly was the dodgers slot amount i think for that pick um so it affects other other potential you know deals you could do but yeah he turned it down he's going to mississippi state so he's not going to be eligible for three more years unless he like goes to a junior college or something but yeah, he had, that's a lot of stones to turn that down for him. So I, it's, I think it's just a misread by the by the front office. They they thought they can get him done at a certain number. It didn't happen. Like, but it's bad. Like, look, they're gonna get a compensatory pick next year. It's gonna be one pick after their pick. So he was number thirty. He's so they're gonna get the thirty one pick in the draft next year, no matter what, as a compensatory pick. But it's like, sure, that that like that's a, a little bit of relief. But you also lose a year of development time of this sort of grade A. Sort of type pick, um, so that's bad. That's it's never good. Um, so look, we could talk all we want. Like they didn't sign Luke Hoshabar or Hochevar in two thousand five. He ends up going number one the next year, and then it sort of breaks the Dodgers. They get Kershaw at seven. That doesn't mean it was good that they didn't sign Luke Hochevar. It just worked out that way, you know. It was completely sort of dumb luck that that happened. Um, so I think. Uh, you know, you just, uh, it's just bad. Like, it's just not a good look. They they didn't sign Kyle Funkhouser a couple years ago, so that's two times in four years. It's not good. I mean, it, it's just not good that they didn't sign him.
2: Well, you want to move on to happier times?
1: Before we go to Craig's questions, oh, um, Dodgers are playing right now, and uh, they're through two innings in San Diego, and uh, Clayton Kershaw is starting, um, and... He uh, just passed through two innings. He's, he's at 2,000 innings exactly in his career. That's a lot. So, yeah, I, I, broke, I was looking at it uh, by 1,000 innings. Uh, his first 1,000 innings, 273 ERA, and then the second 1,000, 203. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but, yeah, it, like the one thing that sort of jumped out at me, too, um, he had 25 intentional walks in his first, first 1,000 innings. How many do you guess he has in his last thousand innings?
2: Uh, give me the first thousand innings again.
1: Twenty-five intentional walks. Uh, this so, and this was this uh, second thousand innings started on May fourteenth, two thousand thirteen. Okay. It's a yeah. hundred. 140, it's a hundred and forty-five starts, including tonight.
2: And how many intentional walks? Yeah. Thinking. I feel like I should be able to just actually remember all of them. You know what I mean? <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and that would be amazing if you just rattled them off. Well, there was that one against, uh, you know, Buster Posey. Oh, I, like,
2: I want one. to say a very low number, but that make makes I don't know how ridiculous that will make. I, I will say two dozen. One, dozen, one dozen, one dozen. I'm changing mine. One dozen.
1: Um. Okay. So if you just sort of cut yourself off before you said oh, dozen, two dozen, two. Oh, it's two, two? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so I, I that's the most. Uh, so yeah, I, yeah,
2: I, uh, I my head started at 10 I, and then I'm like, yeah, maybe a few more because I didn't want you to go. Well, it was 20, you jerk, right? Exactly, still, yeah. still yeah. ridiculous. So, yeah,
1: wouldn't that be something like, oh no, it's just 24? Yeah, <laughs> oh, exactly. okay, yeah. never mind. No, uh, uh, he, he cut his walks in half, uh, more than half <laughs> 357 in the first thousand, 163 in the last thousand. That's just ridiculous. So, it's fun. Fun to look back at uh, Kershaw's
2: career. Can I ask you some questions from Craig finally? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, Now now I lost them. No, they're there. Uh, Last season, the Dodgers hit their most doubles, uh, 312, and home runs, 221. In a 162-game season, I said that with wrong emphasis, uh, that was in a 162 season. Sorry, I made that its own Mm -hmm. sentence. Currently, they are on pace for 286 doubles and 226 home runs. Will they end up reaching those numbers or fall short of one or both?
1: Um, I think they're going to end up falling short on the doubles, but they, I think they will break the home run record.
2: Okay. I, I have them eight, falling short on both.
1: Eight, they're going to be aided by uh, whoever they pick up. Uh, oh, okay. Trade deadline, so
2: so I'll, I'll go short on both. Uh, you'll be a little bit more optimistic. All right. I think it'll be close to what are your yeah. memories of the 2003 Dodgers? That team had the best Dodger bullpen, I can recall, uh, 76-0 and when leading after eight innings. Uh, one crazy note, uh, 2018 Dodgers have 124 home runs in 89 games, whereas the 2003 mm-hmm. Dodgers hit 124 home runs that season.
1: Um. Do you? I'll give you. Do you want to start this one? Do you? Do you? What do you remember about about that team? I I have some thoughts for sure. It
2: is a a special team for me because that baseball season in particular is the was the first season I remember actually paying closely attention to sports outside of sort of a casual fan. Oh, the World Series is on. uh Like I remember the two thousand one World Series. I remember the nineteen ninety seven World Series. Um, which were you know before the Yankee the Yankee streak, I sort of ignored for a little bit. Um, but it, again, a very casual interest towards sports in general. Uh, 2003 was the first year I played fantasy sports at all, which oh. was uh fantasy NBA. I first first picked Reggie Miller as is my want. Um, uh, but I that uh, specifically the Dodger team is I by the end of the season I could name. May, it might have not been the entire 25-man roster, but it was pretty darn close. Uh, the name, the uh, Moda Moda and uh, Quantrill. Uh, like I remember just thinking how strange it was that I knew the seventh-inning guy for for the for the Los Angeles Dodgers for a baseball team in general. Uh, so it, it's a special team in my mind.
1: That that team is one of the more unique teams I've ever seen in my life. Uh, so the, the one thing I wanted to note before we start uh, talking about home runs so that was the year that they 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 signed fred mcgriff who was, at, who oh, was 39 yeah. i saw and i think
2: i saw his first home run as a dodger i think well, i was he, at that game he,
1: there weren't many uh so <laughs> so he was he was a lock to get 500 home runs that yeah year. i remember
2: him really excited even,
1: not for the season that'd be a record uh but no he he was he was at 478 and he was coming off seasons of 30 and 31 home runs and then 27 and 32 the year before. So he, he had only had like fewer than 22 once in the previous, um, 14 years or no, 15 years. <laughs> so he was like a metronome in, ter- in terms of like consistency of hitting home runs. And then he sort of fell off a cliff. He hit 13 home runs, uh, in 86 games. So he was not good. Um, but relatively he was awesome, uh, <laughs> offensively because that <laughs> team was, was absolutely terrible. Um, so for me, um, like they were not a bad team. They won 85 games. Uh, it was a sort of a tight they, they somehow stayed in it relatively despite their offensive like liabilities. But the, so that for me, the, here's what it sort of stood out as you had, um, when they were batting, they were, they were argue like arguably one of the worst teams of all time. Like they were just so bad. Like I forget what they're. I, I I don't have it up in front of me. I, but have, I have it.
2: <laughs>
1: so like they're yeah they're like OPS plus was like I think seventy nine or something. Yep. Um, and um, which is really bad for a team. And then like I think I think their ERA plus was like one twenty eight, or or something ridiculous like that. Um, Correct. 128. So like the, so they were they were like um, Jekyll and Hyde team where it was like. When they were batting, they were the worst team ever. When they were, when they had gloves on their hands, they were the (laughs) best team ever. Like they were so good pitching. Like that was one of Kevin Brown's healthy years. Um, he had, you had resurgent Hideo Nomo. Um, like you, um, you had that was the Eric Gagne's, uh, best year of the three. Right. He was 55 out of 55. He won the Cy Young. Um, and he was just absolutely dominant. But like you said, that bullpen was ridiculous. Like Guillermo Moda uh, pitched over 100 innings. Uh, you had Paul Quantrill uh, was like those three were just absolutely lights out at the end. Then they also had like Tom Martin. I think uh, okay, I'm not looking this up. I'm trying to go off memory. Yeah. I think he he inherited 49 runners and I think five scored. And so you had this like lefty specialist who was just lights out. Um, Paul Shuey was like the fifth reliever and this is like, it's not today where like fifth reliever back then is like lower on the depth chart, but he was, he was great too. Uh, so like just, they were awesome like, uh pitching and defense and you had like, that was like Alex Cora and Cesar Torres at their peak and oh, and Adrian Beltre. <laughs> so like, good luck getting it, getting anything, uh, past that infield, you know? Um, so God, they were so good in, in so many ways, but they just weren't. You know, put it all together.
2: I'm doing a quick scan, real quick. Uh, more than having more, ten or more at bats, uh, I'll go even more. How about uh hundred more at bats? Do you know who led the Dodgers in OPS plus that year?
1: Uh, this is with a hundred at bats. hundred or more, yeah. Um, okay, well, so I I already had Fred McGriff up, and I know he was at 99. So I, I'm almost tempted to say him. <laughs> But um, uh, I think that team had Sean Green, but he was like an injured Sean Green.
2: Sean Green uh, had uh, no Sean Green played one hundred and sixty games.
1: Okay, but I mean like uh, sure, sort of. I he mean like he, he, uh, he
2: uh, his OPS was 814, 116 OPS plus.
1: I would that would be my guess. I I'm not, I would I I wouldn't know who else would have done better.
2: David Ross.
1: Oh, nice. Okay, and that was literally his first season, if I'm not correct. I believe so. Saying. Yeah.
2: Uh, also, yeah. the last thing I'll say about that team, uh, Ricky Henderson's last team.
1: Oh, man. And I, he, he <laughs> did he did hit one of those home runs. Yes. At least uh, one. Did he so. have, I thought he had... He had a few, probably. Yeah, two. Two,
2: yeah. two home So, runs.
1: yeah, clear Dodger Hall of Famer, Ricky Henderson, along <laughs> along with Dodger legend Jim Tomei, <laughs> future Dodger. He didn't play on the team, but
2: you know. Uh, the next yeah. question... Uh, who will end up leading the Dodgers in innings pitched by a reliever? And will that total be over 75 innings pitched?
1: It will not be over 75. Uh, it, it, Ross Ross Stripling was, like, gonna. And then he then he became a starter. <laughs> uh, I, I'm tempted to go with Scott Alexander. It's going to either be, like, Scott Alexander or Daniel Hudson, just given how much they pitch, I think. I don't—and I'm trying to do this without looking at what they're at right now. Mm-hmm. But I, I would say Alexander would be my guess. Um I'm then,
2: I I, yeah. I realize this is not usually the case but I am going to say it's going to be Kenley.
1: Okay, but uh, but, who, but who I who is currently in is, the lead?
2: I might I might add.
1: Okay. Uh what what is he at right now? 42. Wow. Okay. See, I and that, I that is
2: not me saying Kenley is going to be this workhorse. That's me more saying like oh, we're yeah, going to see going some to... ups and downs and some trades which are going to lower the amount of innings that like the guys like Alexander and Hudson and uh and uh, like sangrani if he comes back, and Goodell, that 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 they get,
1: no question. And and you're and you you're probably the have the best bet to go with Kenley. Right. So so he's on pace for like seventy six and a third innings. Uh, I don't think he gets to seventy five. Yeah. I I'm I not sure anyone gets to seventy. Um, just just given how they they try to especially if they ramp Jansen down a little bit. Sure. But um yeah so but I I I think I'm gonna stick with Alexander for my pick. But sure. Yeah, I don't think any. I don't think
2: anyone gets a seventy-five. Uh, will the Dodgers acquire a player who will reach double-digit home runs for this season? Uh, for for them, for the Dodgers, I should say. Sure. Uh, note that three Dodger trade deadline acquisitions have done that: Manny, Steve Finley, and Casey Blake.
1: Okay, I would have for sure guessed Manny and Finley. I don't think I would have guessed Casey. I might Blake, have.
2: So I remember like that was a weird. What a weird trade that was. But anyways, will yeah. will the Dodgers have any?
1: uh i do think so and he, so if it's machado i definitely think yeah. of that um but yeah if what if it's, it's like dozier yeah, yeah I, dozier as dribble cabrera as weird as that sounds like definitely a possibility uh so just as context the uh, craig brought up 10 home runs um right now like the the dodgers already have eight guys with 10 which is sort of ridiculous because uh, they played 89 games uh <laughs> And so like the their record for a team is nine, and that was in two thousand four the year after the uh the two thousand three debacle but um Justin Turner only has five home runs because you know he was hurt and then he's sort of just getting back into it so he's definitely i think gonna be one of he's gonna be the ninth but yeah, so it would really take um uh an acquisition i think to make it ten so yeah but i i, I do think i do think um a newbie is gonna hit ten i'll okay. go I'll go ahead and say yes.
2: I'm going to say Brian Dozier is going to hit 8 home runs as the Dodger. Nice. Uh last question. Since both of you enjoy driving long distances, what is the longest in time and distance you have gone without taking a break?
1: Okay, first of all, enjoy is the wrong word. I I mean, <laughs> I I'll, it's it's tolerable. Uh, I like, so I like I, road trips, but in a way, I but see I I've, I've gotten to the point where um I I kind of need to stop
2: so I I it's less that I need to stop I can go like I, my, my my records probably four or five hours because it's oh, not wow. that I need to stop but it's like I want like part of the joy of road tripping to me is stopping every 90 60 to 90 minutes and seeing what weird stuff the convenience store has or what the local newspaper mm. if you have if you haven't if you a road trip often and you have not picked up when you're in a convenience store a small town newspaper and just read the first like five stories i, I encourage you to do so because it, they it just uh it'll give you a chuckle i think uh, my favorite ever was i was in the middle of nowhere i think missouri maybe iowa and the not the headline but sort of a side column to the side was uh promoting a new new sports editor at the newspaper and again this is front page uh right. in which the column uh let us know in the third paragraph that uh, he still lived at home with his parents.
1: <laughs> that's funny. See, that's like that's taking it steps farther than I've ever done. The one thing, like most of my stops are, are usually like bathroom related and sure. or like need to just get a snack or lunch or or drink or something. And then yeah, if I'm in like a, a gas store, a convenience station, and I will I'll glance at the local paper, especially if it's like a. um a different one or so you know basically like a, a smaller town right i do i i but it's more like if it's if it's it has to be on the front page to get my attention i don't i don't pick it up and sure leave through no,
2: and that, that's all i mean like may, no, maybe right. maybe yeah. flip it over to look at what's at the bottom but
1: yeah so uh the main ones for me is usually uh is arizona uh it's about six hours from the, uh, la area to phoenix um and i um, I've taken a rental car where I haven't had to stop to get gas, but generally I usually stop at the summit, which is about, uh, an hour and a half to two hours out. Um, just because that's sort of a traditional stop and it's usually to get something to drink or whatever. Sometimes they get gas. Um, yeah, I, I'm a stopper man. Uh, but so the, I'm just trying to think back. Um, I drove to Albuquerque in 2014. I rented a car for that. That was a long trip. I want to say that was like a 14 hour trip and I went I went straight through in that I didn't stop overnight somewhere. Sure. I, I definitely stopped for gas and lunch I think uh, on the trip out there but I don't I'm the I, that had to have the longest stretch for me because I think I probably went maybe a seven-ish hour stint without stopping probably, I, I I don't know exactly, but I, I just remember I was, I was like thinking when I got there, Oh man, this was a mistake. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, I, I should have stopped or like, I should have broken it up or something, but it was, it was kind of crazy. But, um, so, uh, Craig brings this up last. So I was in Colorado. I flew home, but to get out there, uh, I went with my aunt and uncle, my aunt and uncle, they don't like to fly. Um, so they drove, um, and I just went with them and basically just split the driving with my uncle. Uh, it, it works out good because, like, you go in stretches where, like, I was listening to um, some podcasts with the earphones in the back seat when I wasn't driving, and I even, like, napped a little bit. And then the times I did drive, that was pretty good. But then, like, a- after a certain point, like, sometimes you're just like, man, it really gets to you, like, just driving a long distance. So I had to stop. But it was good because we kept sort of switching off. But um, – yeah, so That was like a 16 hour trip. We, we broke that up. Um, we went about 10 hours the first day, including like a, a couple stops for, uh, gas and, and, or restroom breaks and, and lunch. Uh, but we stopped in green river, Utah and stayed overnight and then, and then did the rest of the trip the next day. So I think that's kind of a good way to do it where you could sort of break it out. I, I, um, I do enjoy stopping at rest areas, uh, those uh nice little areas to stretch out and nah. take a walk take a walk or something i'm such but a yeah. lover of
2: i i am such a purveyor. i don't i don't know the right word i love convenience stores i love noticing little differences and and like what snacks are available what candies yeah. are available and i sent you a picture yesterday i was in neola iowa and i huh. sent you a picture of doctor pepper cotton candy
1: oh yeah that was disgusting <laughs> i did not
2: get it would you believe?
1: Yeah, I would not believe I You should have, I would have probably got some just, just to be, just to be shocked by it. No, uh, look, I, I, I'm a convenience store guy myself, but you know, just in terms of, I'll stop, look, I'll stop at a rest area and then a few miles off, I'll, I'll get, a, I'll go to, I'll go to a convenience store too. I, I'm crazy, man. No, I, I don't know. Uh, I like, I like stopping. Uh, it's fun.
2: I'm wearing currently a tank top of a convenience store. If, uh, if any of our listeners are Texas based or have been to Texas, uh, they they know the joy that is a Bucky's. So I'm wearing a Bucky's tank top right now.
1: Bucky's, Bucky's, never heard
2: of it. They're think of you're aware like it's it's a convenience stores uh, that touts the world's cleanest bathrooms, and I'd believe oh. them. Uh, they yeah. it is they are all they vary in size, but they average the size of a Walmart.
1: Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's that's. That is convenient. Their, their
2: beef jerky section is like a deli. Like oh man, where you go great. up and you're like, excuse me, sir, I will have a quarter pound of the turkey jerky and three quarters of a pound of the teriyaki buffalo jerky. And he'll wrap it up nicely for you as if it was like a grocery store deli.
1: The one thing I enjoy about or enjoyed about the Arizona trip is uh, the last, I don't know, third of that trip, you're in quick trip quick country. Quick trip and yep. And uh, their they they're similar. Their bathrooms are fantastic. Yeah. Uh, usually, like your your truck stoppy um, type convenience stores are have great bathrooms. Um, sure. your, like, your Portland, loves and your yeah, loves is great. But like, because generally, look, going to the bathroom in public is terrible. <laughs> Just and you, you want to you want to be as as um, you know as comfortable as possible. So it, it's 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 a bad situation all around. And so the the better the rep of the place, you know, the better. That that said... Yeah, when you have to there's... go to
2: random shell to use the restroom at 11 yeah. at night, it's you're, you're putting your life on the line.
1: Let's just say uh, this was not a road trip, but um, I have not... Uh, i trying to think. Um, I think... I think this Del Taco is in Mission Viejo
2: somewhere. <laughs> I don't like where this is going.
1: But... Let's just say, look, it wasn't even inside the del Taco, but what what happened in that in that confined area? I have not. I purposely have avoided eating at that del Taco since, <laughs> just just out of out of like fear, loathing, <laughs> shame. I don't even know what it was, but yeah, it, it's, it hasn't hasn't happened.
2: Well, what better way to end the episode? <laughs>
1: Uh, man, just imagine how many people are listening to this podcast while in a truck stop restroom somewhere.
2: I hope it's at least I would, three.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I would I would venture to say 14 is my okay. guess. But yeah, so anyway, uh, All Star Game is next week. We may or may not record uh, next week, but uh, it, it we'll be back, you know, relatively soon. Two weeks probably at the lo- uh, latest. But yeah, thanks for listening, everybody, and we will uh, talk to you soon.